0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a radical statement these days. In the beginning was the logos, the word, the verbo. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That, as you probably know, is a compilation of Genesis 1 and John 1. I'm one of those who think when they got the orders of the New Testament, they got them slightly out of order and they should have put John at the beginning because it starts in the beginning. And it's a parallel creation story with Adam. That's where we're going today with Paul from 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans chapter 5. I've been going through a series called A Bride Fit for the King, what the Bible says about the church. I hope today's message kind of blows the the roof off of your idea of the church a little bit. And we are back up and look at the big picture. In this uh, title, Christ as the last Adam, His Church as a New Humanity. The church is the new humanity. Let's read Romans 5, 12 through 21, which will be our primary text for today, being supported by what Brian read so well. Boy, Brian, after your reading, I felt like we could have the benediction and go home. That was preached, brother. That was wonderful. Here's Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin. Wait a minute. We got a therefore. We got to ask what it's there for, right? So we've been going through Romans chapter 4, which is all about Abraham's faith. Paul is saying the law came to convince us of our sin, but it couldn't save us. So faith arrives through Abraham and all of his spiritual descendants because God says he believed, and God counted it to him as righteousness. All he did was believe God, and God made him a righteous person through his grace. And so he's talking about the descendants of Abraham by faith, and those who now are descendants of the old man and the new man, which is his new topic here. So that's why he says, therefore. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was that? Thank you. You can be participatory. <laughs> through Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. By the way, this is all mankind. It does include you ladies. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. That's back to what he said about law increasing the transgression. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, that's Moses brought the law, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who sinned against the law of God in the Garden of Eden, who was a type of the one who was to come. Now, who would that be? jesus but the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one man's trespass much more have the grace of god and the free gift by the grace of that one man jesus christ abounded for many and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin for the judgment followed one trespass following one trespass brought condemnation but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that's pretty complicated. But we're going to boil it down into two lines of humanity. An old humanity and a new humanity. He talks about the first Adam and the last Adam. The church is the new humanity in Christ, reigning in righteousness by his grace. If you forget everything else I say this morning, that's the message. The church is the new humanity reigning in righteousness through Christ's grace. I hope you have received that. We've been getting messages from one of our team members in South Africa who throughout COVID had been feeding hundreds of children because of day workers who lost their jobs and the children were hungry. And so he had gone into this rather dangerous neighborhood and he found a bar that was closed because of COVID restrictions found the owner, who ended up being a drug dealer and gang leader, named Sylvester. And Sylvester said, well of course you can rent my bar and nobody else wants to pay for it. And so he opened the bar to them five days a week to serve up to 200 children lunch during the week. And Sylvester started watching them and coming and cooking and then charging less. And about nine months ago, he surrendered his life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he said, I want what you have. Now what? Well, this is a man with guns in his house who has led young people in violent uh, warfare in in the community for years. A large African guy with a wife and a couple of kids. But Mario said, well, I'd like you to do a discipleship training school at YWAM." So here goes this tough drug dealer to YWAM with a bunch of kids and learns the Bible, learns how to pray, learns how to witness, goes on an outreach. And six months later, he says, I want to keep doing this. What, What do I do now? And So Mario has helped him set up yet another feeding center. They've built a small wooden house. When Sylvester came home, he got rid of all his guns. He told his wife the gospel. His wife has also been baptized. Their family is now a a Christian family serving the Lord. And one night we got prayer messages, pray for Sylvester. They've surrounded his house. They're throwing rocks at his windows. They're saying, now you don't have guns, now we can get vengeance on you. And Sylvester said, get on your knees, we're going to pray. And for some reason, all of the opposition left. It just got quiet and they walked off down the road. I guess they were expecting him to come out and yell at them. The Lord rescued a, a powerful man for darkness and brought him into the light. Now he's part of the new humanity. Death, which used to reign through him in that neighborhood, has become grace, right? Grace which extended goodness to the undeserved So that righteousness would reign in its place through Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 means. When it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The, The focus of this passage, I believe, is verse 17. It says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now that reign in life is repeated down at the end of the passage in verse 21, if you're following along, which says, so that as sin reigned in death, that's what Sylvester used to live in, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All through the scripture, all through the New Testament especially, we hear of these two humanities. Christ is the beginning of a new creation. And Paul is setting up a comparison between the first Adam and what he calls the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, because he wants us to understand that this is the beginning of a whole world. My friends, the church is not a Sunday morning club, primarily. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not even a religion. We did that. Men did that. And that's okay. But the church is more than religion. The church is A theory of everything, because it's a new humanity, a new creation, as you are born into Christ. As I was studying this this week, um, I started seeing the world as a zombie story, right? Because Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, well, that's from Adam and Eve who died when they, tr- when they sinned against God's command in the garden. They didn't die emotionally. They didn't die mentally. Their soul continued, but their spirit shriveled up and dried away. And they could not walk with God in the cool of the day anymore because they were dead spiritually. Yesterday I was talking to Pastor Bill about this. And he said, you know what Adam's sin was, don't you, Thomas? I was scared to get the wrong answer, so I let him tell me. (laughs) And I learned something. Boy, it's amazing how much you learn when you open your ears and shut your mouth. He said it was wanting to be his own boss. Wanting to be his own boss. Wanting to be God of himself. Have his little country, his little decision-making power with what he ate and didn't eat. Who are you to tell me what to eat and what not to eat? You're not God I am. He followed the God of this world. And through that led all of his descendants, all of us, to be born dead in sin without hope. Except for Jesus Christ. Except for the grace of God extended to us through Christ. Now let's look at this comparison a little bit. So Adam was the first human. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. This is a phrase from the New Testament. He's he's been born into a new way of being human. He came into our reality, and then uh, through his birth, his virgin birth, but more through his resurrection, he has begun the new order of things, as the Bible says. Adam was made of dust. God created the world by a word. He just said, let there be light. Let there be earth and water and sky and sun and moon and animals and plants. And then it says he took the dust of the ground. The the mud that he had created became the medium for making Adam. And he did the same thing with Jesus. He took the dust of Mary's womb and formed a body for himself. And the word says, a body you have created for me. So he formed out of Adam's line and Eve's line, a new line, a new humanity, a new father. Adam is the generator or uh, progenitor of all people. Jesus is the progenitor of all new humans. Only those who are born in Jesus' line by faith, or maybe through faith by grace, are part of this new humanity which we can say is equivalent with the church. Here's an interesting statement. Now, Paul doesn't go this far, but I think he wants us to. God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Everybody has a mate. The plants and animals proclaim that God is a loving creator by their love for one another through uh, recreation. Adam didn't have a mate until Eve was made out of a rib, and Adam said what? This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is an extension of me for the purpose of love and fruitfulness. Jesus is the bridegroom, building his bride out of his own body as members of him for eternity. So as the bride is prepared for the wedding feast, that's us. We are growing in Christ likeness. We are part of his body. And as we share the Lord's Supper next week, that's one way we begin to grow is through sharing his body and his blood together. Now look at this. Adam was commanded to fill the earth and have dominion over all of creation. That was the great commission of Adam and Eve. They stopped doing it and they built the Tower of Babel and God had to come down and divide their languages so they would obey. So he'd spread them all out all over the earth. That was his command. Multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion, reign in my stead as my creatures. Jesus has a great commission too. Go, make disciples of all nations. Uh, Ephesians 1, and 23 says Jesus himself is filling up everything in every way through the church, which is his fullness. Look at that, those two verses sometime. It'll blow your mind. We are his fullness as we add members to his body, and we are to fill up everything in every way. It's the same command in the new creation, which is go out into the world and be salt and light. And have dominion, which is what Paul says in Romans 5, that righteousness reigns in life through Jesus. As we receive his grace, we receive what Paul calls the precious gift, which is the righteousness of Christ imputed to our account. When you confess your sins and repent of your selfishness, of the sin of Adam, of wanting to be God, and you surrender your life. That's God's grace convincing you of your need. And then he floods you with his own righteousness. But it doesn't stop there. Because see, Ephesians 2 9 says, not of works lest anyone should boast. Then you've got to go on to Ephesians 2.10, which it says, We are Christ's work, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that He has prepared beforehand. Our good works are the obedience of the command in Christ to reign through grace in life by Christ. We are the new humanity. We are the sons and daughters of the king. And we are here to cause grace to increase even as sin abounds. See, Mr. Putin hasn't unsettled God in his purpose. He didn't take him by surprise. God is not wringing his hands and fretting because as wickedness abounds, as sin increases in the world, it gives us, it gives the Ukrainian church the opportunity to be on world television and internet, kneeling in the plaza and praying, crying out to God for mercy over that that land. Yesterday I had uh, breakfast with Mateus Hummels. Mateus has friends in both Ukraine and Russia that were in OM with him. And they're communicating back and forth about their prayers for one another. The holy nation of God is on both sides of the conflict. Because as wickedness increases, grace abounds more and more and more. And guess what, friends? This is the mystery. It could not be grace without our fall into sin. Because grace is undeserved. By definition, grace is the the aggressive goodness and loving kindness of Jesus, of of God, who is reaching out to us. In the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. But after they sinned, They knew God's grace from the moment that an animal died to dress them to the moment that Jesus himself came to die in their place and pay the penalty for their sin. And God had the plan all along. The cross isn't a band-aid. The cross is God's essence expressed in the abundance of our sin through his grace so that a new humanity might be born into the world and reign over creation, over this old world, as well as into the new world. I hope you are born again into that hope. Oh, I didn't finish my, my vision of zombie world. So you know what a zombie is. It's a dead person that's walking around. If we are dead in our trespasses and sins before Christ... There's all kinds of people, maybe some in here right now, who are dead in the spirit. They're alive in their mind. They're alive in their emotions. But they're dead in their sins and trespasses because they have not received the precious gift of God's grace through Christ and his eternal life that he deposits into us. So we could say it's zombies and mutants. We've been mutated into a new humanity into a powerful force of love and forgiveness and grace undeserved that we shed in the middle of a traffic jam in Sao Paulo when somebody cuts us off and we say, God bless you. (laughs) See, even those who have been born again can give in to sin, not reign over their body. And death begins to infiltrate even into our bodies, not to take our salvation away, but to take away the blessing of God's grace and, and righteousness in our lives. The last comparison is that Paul says Adam became a living being who then sinned and brought the reign of death to creation and all his descendants. That's what he calls later the corruption that is in the world. Jesus, Paul says, is a life-giving spirit. More than Adam, he can extend his life, his eternal abundant life, to those who will believe, who accept the gift of his grace through the Holy Spirit. A life-giving spirit who never sinned, died an innocent death, so he could give eternal life to all who are born into him by the Holy Spirit. As we turn toward applying this to our lives... I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians 2. Earlier in this book, Paul has already said, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into people's imagination what God has prepared for those who love him. There's a wonderful world being created. And it's being created in us First. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And now he's gathering a people from every tribe and nation and language and, and family. Uh, Abraham was to bless every family on the earth with the grace of God. And he's making that place for us. Do you have two lineages? I hope so. You know, I'm a missionary kid. My dad swept me off to the jungles of Columbia when I was two. I didn't have much choice to say about it. But now, that gives me a problem when people ask me where I'm from. Where are you from? And I can tell them my whole life story, but usually there's not time for that. So I usually say, well, I'd rather talk about where I'm going. Because I believe your destiny defines you more than your roots. You've got to have both. But I pray that everyone in this room, and in the sound of my voice, even watching online, is rooted in their identity in Christ, has been born twice once of the line of Adam and once of the line of Christ who is the new humanity two men two lines, two families Adam's line is the line of trespass, condemnation and sin reigning in death can I give you an example of how that works because it's really rubber meet the road this week we were moving from the little apartment that the church has over here on Hoshinal to our house down by Paca and my precious Susanna got sick in the midst of that move. Sick to the point of needing to be lying down all day and into the night. So we decided to let our girls, including Lillian who's here, uh, move to the house with us or by themselves and have an adventure in the midst of the poeta, right, all the the dust. Uh, So they went and had a sleepover at our house and we stayed in the apartment in Moema. Well, of course, my mind started going romantic places and thinking, oh, I'm alone with my wife in Moema in an apartment. (laughs) My wife has the stomach flu. And she wanted to go to bed at 8 o'clock, which was what she needed to do, because the next day she was better. And I found myself sitting on the couch, falling into the first step of almost all temptation for me, which is self-pity. Poor me. I have rights that aren't being satisfied. Nobody likes me. Nobody understands me. Does the devil tempt you with those things? And so I I went there for a while. And I opened the door to those sinful thoughts, which is a chain because one link connects to another. And pretty soon you're thinking stuff that will destroy you if you let it. Sin will reign over your mind if you don't renew it, if you don't make thoughts captive, if you don't say, no, I have identity in Christ. I will reign through grace. And I suddenly began to to come to Jesus with those things and say, Lord, you love me. You know me. You understand this moment. You're here with me. Everything I long for is in you. I will find my satisfaction and my joy in you. And praise God, grace began to reign, which gave life again and romance again. And if you let sin reign in the line of Adam, it will bring more and more death. Not eternal death for those who have been born again, but I can tell you the suffering in this life. Let grace reign. In Jesus' family line, grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life. And I truly believe that's two kinds of righteousness. It's imputed righteousness, which makes you a righteous person, and then it's acted righteousness. It's the righteousness of serving when you don't need to serve. It's the righteousness of the good works of of Ephesians 2.10, which are prepared beforehand for us to walk in the blessing the dominion of grace in a sinful world which can only be grace because it is a sinful world you say they don't deserve it of course neither do we it's God's grace it's the it's the um what did Paul call it the character the the image of Christ are you growing more like Adam or more like Christ that's the question Which line are you living? Adam's life is a life of sin resulting in more and more death. Christ's life is death to self, resurrection through him to the free gift of righteousness resulting in abundant, eternal, righteous life. The Bible promises that he is making us new heavens and a new earth where justice and righteousness will reign. How do we apply these things? I think there are two ways. Number one, have you received the free gift? Have you received the gift of God's grace? It is sufficient to cover all your sin. We've been singing about it this morning. All you do is say yes to the knocking call of Jesus when he says you don't deserve it, but my death pays your sin. There's no neutral ground. You're not trying to be neutral. You're trying to be holy. You're trying to be righteous like Christ. And you can only do that through his grace and his imputed righteousness, which is the precious gift of salvation. You know, you don't become righteous by doing righteous things. You do righteous things because you have become righteous. And that only happens by being born into Christ. It doesn't help to wash off a zombie. You've got to be a mutant. You've got to be combined with the life of Christ. And then you become a new human, part of the new creation. Flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says. Are you of the earthly man or of the heavenly man if you're if you're not sure would you talk to me afterwards I would just love to lead you into a full assurance of the new birth in Christ there are many others that could do that here too and it would be our great joy to tell you how we repented and how God gives his grace to the humble when we confess our sin he showers his grace on us and makes us righteous in him And then the second application is Do you reign in life through righteousness by His abundant grace? I've talked to some of you that I'm afraid are suffering with a critical spirit. You're critical, you complain a lot about other people, about life, about situations. And I hurt for you because it seems that grace is not enough, grace is not abundant. You're not growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ who finds that the very worst of situations is the best place for him to shine because it's where we reign through grace and through righteousness undeserved because he made us righteous and now we live righteous lives. Do you reign or does sin reign in you? Grace abounds where wickedness increases. Once again, Romans 5, 17, this is the the key. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, and I will say in me, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. My friends, the church of Ukraine is reigning. Putin is not reigning. Jesus is reigning through his people on their knees. Join us. Wake up. The new world has already started. Some of us have been born into it through death very recently. Join us and reign through grace in life. I'll close with a story from my brother who had the privilege of serving as a mission pastor in. A church in Florida for a while, and one of his jobs was to visit the missionaries that the church supported. And he went to India to visit an Indian pastor in a small town somewhere, and he tells of the story of being in a large train station in India, maybe 20 windows, each going to a different city, and he had to go to the right place. And there were lines everywhere. And there were animals and there were bags full of who knows what. And there was dust and sweat and noise and scripts he couldn't understand. And he felt lost. And he thought, how am I ever going to find out how to get there? And as he was wondering, a short East Indian man worked his way through all those crowds and came up to my tall, white brother. And he said, sir, I noticed you, you seem confused. Uh, Where do you want to go? And my brother told him. He said, what are you doing there? A little too curious, but my brother said, well, I'm going to visit some friends. What kind of friends? And so my brother said, well, uh, I'm part of a church, and we help a man that's helping children in that town. And he said, what type of church? And Jonathan said, it's a church of Jesus Christ. We believe that. The gospel is the way of salvation. The man got big eyes, opened his arms, and gave my tall brother an Indian hug with two arms around his middle and his head lying on his chest, and he said, Brother! (laughs) I thought you were a brother. I saw you from a distance, and there was that confession. He's a brother. He needs some help. And Jonathan says, I was in the midst of family. That was my family. Right there, ruling in righteousness by the grace imputed to me through Christ. And then acting out as sheep among wolves, but reigning for the king of kings in the new creation, in the midst of this rotten lump of dough that is the old creation into which the kingdom is penetrating in every place, at every moment, through every member of his body that is the church. Would you pray with me? Let's stand together. I just want to speak over you in the authority of the Lord Jesus and by his word. Come awake. Wake up. You are Brazilian or American or African second. And you are a son or a daughter of the Lord Jesus. If you have repented of your line of Adam and you are becoming more and more like Jesus, reigning in righteousness through grace. Father, I pray over us. We are just your sheep purchased at the high price of your blood, but I pray that you would set our feet on the way of marching out into the whole world so that we might be salt and light and witness that there is a new creation coming that has already started in you. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice, Lord, who has not come through that door rent on the cross in your body, Lord, convict them today. Give them repentance of their sin and full surrender to your sovereignty that they might be filled with the assurance of their forgiveness, the righteousness imputed to us for Christ's sake and a hunger and thirst for righteousness that is the sign of new life in Christ. Set us on the way, Lord. We want to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.